Welcome to the City Life Lansing podcast. You are loved, you belong, and you have a unique purpose from God. You can connect with us at citylifelansing.com. You belong here. Here's today's message. Making your life count is probably nothing more that sobers us, you know, than thinking about what will be said about us when we're gone. I mean, it just calls our spirit to attention, like few things ever can. And I'm so grateful to be here with you, to be here with you watching. I really believe that every person is here is a living legend. If God says that you're worth his only son, wow, you must be worth a lot. I must be worth a lot. Like an infinite price. We're worth that much. And that love compels us to say yes, to leave a legacy, to think of how we can say yes to Jesus in private and say yes to him in public, in every sphere we're in. And we need some role models, some examples. And I think in life, there, we've had some role models that maybe let us down, and maybe ones that inspired us. We have the greatest role model, which is Jesus. We have each other, which ultimately we're looking past each other to Jesus, but we can motivate each other and we can be role models too. I genuinely believe that. And real role models get up. Role models aren't without mistakes. There's only one that's perfect. The God-man, Jesus. All of us, Man, may we live a life worth reading about. Living a life worth reading about. And that's not going to always be filled with highlights. It's going to be how we handle the lowlights, how we handle the tough moments. At the end of service, we're going to have a separate time where we take up the legacy offering, a year-end giving opportunity to invest going into 2022. And we've been talking about that for a few weeks, and even right now, just to let you know that that's coming. But today's message is titled, It's Possible. It's possible. Look at Daniel. Now, all things are possible to God. Not all things are possible to man. But the title is kind of a play on thinking of the four-minute mile principle, breaking through that barrier that what other people thought were impossible, but once you hear one person does it, it has to do something to your soul. And as we look at some practical people, like last week, Joseph, and then today, Daniel, you're like, what's different between Daniel and Joseph and you and me? Maybe you've, been, you've heard it in sports. Come on, they put their pants on the same way we do, one leg at a time. I'm like, how motivating. You know, they're just a human just like you. They put their pants on one leg at a time. I'm like, some things need to evolve, you know. Like, we got we to gotta come up with some. I find myself saying some old phrases, and I'm like, what does that even mean? So as we look at the book of Daniel, Daniel's story is one that you might know him for Daniel being thrown into the lion's den. And God showing up there, closing the mouths of the lions. He makes it out. And that happens at a old age. So that happens, most scholars believe, at 82 years that Daniel's thrown into the lion's den. I don't know what he's thinking. He might be thinking, fine, I don't, like, you know, old. 
He doesn't got annual checkups. I mean, probably doesn't have access to prescription medication like we might. And, I mean, he, he might be just, let's, but God shows up in that moment to show that Daniel's faith is in God. So it's God that shows up in that moment. But we're going to look at how the story starts. It's just Daniel as a teenager. But the book of Daniel also, one kind of uh, 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 pitfall can be this, that, that when we only think of Daniel's life, we're always thinking about these end time prophecies. And it's called the study of eschatology. The, eschatology means like what's last things, end things, or as many of us would know, end times. And absolutely be aware. But the Bible Project does a very good job of giving us the synopsis of what the whole book is about. Check this video out. An endless debate about what all of these visions refer to. Many see a clear connection to the exploits of the Syrian king Antiochus in the 160s BC. He killed many faithful Jews in Jerusalem and set up idols in the temple. Others think it points forward to the Roman Empire's role in the execution of Jesus and the destruction of Jerusalem in the temple in AD 70. And still others think it will be fulfilled in future events that have yet to happen when Jesus will return. Now the problem is that the symbols and the numbers, they don't quite match any of these views perfectly. But it opens up the possibility that in a sense they are all right. The book of Daniel has been designed to offer hope to all future generations of God's people. It did so in the days of Antiochus' empire, and it has ever since. This is why Jesus could use imagery from Daniel to describe and confront the oppressive leaders he confronted in Jerusalem. This is why John the visionary who wrote the Revelation could adapt Daniel's visions and apply them to Rome of his day and also all future oppressive empires. And so the point of Daniel is that all generations of readers can find here a pattern and a promise. It's a pattern that human beings in their kingdoms become violent beasts when they glorify their own power, when they redefine right and wrong, and don't acknowledge God as their true king. But Daniel also holds out a promise that one day God will confront the beast. He will rescue his world and his people by bringing his kingdom over all nations. And so for every generation, this book speaks a message of hope that should motivate faithfulness. And that's what the book of Daniel is all about. I love the way that condenses what has been debated about in, in such uh, uh, grand fashion and has fueled a lot of methodology for so many Jesus followers uh, throughout the course of history. But that in its simplicity, if there was like a, a headline chapter to it, it's about hope that motivates through faithfulness. And the contrast of two worlds and kingdoms. So you see throughout all of scripture, if you follow these themes, Jerusalem is literal, Babylon is literal, but it's also speaking to the kingdom of God and the kingdom of the evil one, the enemy, Satan. And so there's always a battle, the beast of the sin nature, fallen state that just hates and wants to go against God. And then the glory, the beauty of what God is doing, and as we choose him and ultimately respond to his love pursuing and choosing us, that's when we find true freedom. Daniel 1, reading the story, it picks up, in the third year of the reign of King Jehoiakim of Judah, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon came to Jerusalem and laid siege to it. 
Let's pause for a minute. Someone came. Just make it really personal right now. In whatever city you live in, whatever city you're watching this in, and they came to lay siege to it, to take it over, oh, come on. I don't know here who, who has firearms at home, but uh, I would dare venture that that would be the moment you would get quite adventurous. God's story is very scandalous when you start to see exactly what's happening. Watch this. The Lord handed King Jehoiakim of Judah over to him. Along with some of the vessels from the house of God, Nebuchadnezzar carried them to the land of Babylon, to the house of his God, and put vessels in the treasury of his God. This is fundamental. Because you're going to see that Daniel doesn't believe that they, yeah, they've been taken captive, but he believes the Lord allowed that to happen. This is challenging. The Lord would allow something bad to happen for his greater plan? Quite a mystery, but yet we do see it happen time and time again in Scripture that the Lord allows the you know, the enemy to advance for a moment for something greater that's taking place. And ultimately, the great fulfillment is in Jesus. So this has given us a backdrop of how hard it would be to obey God in this particular setting. And if you notice, and it says, Nebuchadnezzar carried them to the land of Babylon to the house of his God, lowercase g. So you'll see throughout scripture, there's a capital G, then there's a lowercase g. So there's God and there's gods. John Mark Colbert does a great job talking about this in his book, God Has a Name. And then as we were singing in worship, the Lord's on the throne. So he's sovereign above all these other gods, but yet he's present with us in the fire. And we're going to get to see these names listed, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. <laughs> so ultimately, God is the hero that's allowing this to happen, to, 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 to put a mockery to all of these so-called gods that he's using us as vessels in this world to, to show his glory point to him, and ultimately allow people to come back home into Jesus. That's what Christmas story is all about. Verse 3, the king ordered Aspenaz, Ashpenaz, oh boy. This is an overbite, yeah, Ashpenaz, S-H. You got to have fun with it. It wouldn't be the craziest thing I ever said. His chief eunuch to bring some of the Israelites from the royal family and from the nobility. Watch this. Young men without any physical defect, good looking, suitable for instruction in all wisdom, knowledge, perception, and capable of serving in the king's palace. He was to teach them the Chaldean language and literature. So in other words, they're trying to recruit the top of the top. They want to recruit some of God's people and get them to carry out 
the Babylonian way, to teach them a new language that they would be a vessel to another king. The king assigned them daily provisions from the royal food and from the wine he drank. There they were to be trained for three years and at the end of that time, they were to attend the king. Among them from the Judahites were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. The chief eunuchs gave them names. He gave them Belteshazzar to Daniel, Shadrach to Hananiah, Meshach to Mishael, and Abednego to Azariah. So what happened? We know them as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But that would mean that you get taken over by another land and they want to change your name. Are you happy about it? I wasn't happy throughout most of my life when people said, your name's Jerome? Do you go by Jerry? I, I said, do I go by what? Jerry. Jerry. Wait, where'd you get that? Jerome. Well, Jerry. I don't know. I don't know if... Over the course of my life, I'm still trying to figure it out. But it happened to Jerome recently at school. They, asked, they kept yelling, Jerry, 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 Jerry. And he goes, who's Jerry? And they go, you, aren't you Jerry? He goes, I'm Jerome. And that made me laugh so much because that was so much of my life. Every teacher, you go by Jerry, right? Well, it turns out Jerry Seinsfeld's name is Jerome. Uh, Tom and Jerry, the, the, the mouse cat, uh, it is actually, the, the name is Jerome. It's, it's Jerome the, the, the mouse. It's, Jerry. So I'm like, okay, maybe. I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. I'm not sure. But it, it did feel, it felt like a slight a little bit. Like, what do you, hey, don't little boy me. My name's Jerome. If I felt that, even in a land that I had the ability to, to roam as I pleased and I wasn't taken by force, how much more would they see this as an insult? Because it was an insult on their nation. It's an insult on their God. It's an insult to their family lineage. Like, this is, this attacks their core. Watch verse 8. Daniel determined that he would not defile himself with the king's food. It's possible. Look at Daniel. Or with the wine he drank. So he asked permission from the chief eunuch not to defile himself. God had granted Daniel kindness and compassion from the chief eunuch. Yet he said to Daniel, I fear the Lord my king who assigned your food and drink. What if he sees your face is looking thinner than all the other young men your age? You would endanger my life. The king. So Daniel said to the guard whom the chief eunuch had assigned to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, please test your servants for 10 days. Let us be given vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then examine our appearance and appearance of the young men who are eating the king's food and deal with your servants based on what you see. He agreed with them about this and tested them for 10 days. At the end of the 10 days, they looked better, healthier, than all the young men who were eating the king's food. So the guard continued to remove their food and wine. They were to drink and gave them vegetables. This is where we get the Daniel fast from. And this is not to advocate that we're all vegan. There's other scriptures that God has 
allowed us to eat. But what you're seeing here is that the contrast between what God's law had told his people to eat and what was clean and unclean, Daniel wants to abide to that. He doesn't want to have food sacrificed to another god. There's certain he doesn't want to have pork in the Levitical law. He doesn't want to eat horse meat. And that's what's taking place. So he says, fine, you get away. Just, just give me some veggies. And then watch the faithfulness is rewarded. Verse 17, God gave these four young men knowledge, understanding, and every kind of literature and wisdom. Daniel also understood visions and dreams of every kind. And at the end of the time that the king had said to present them, the chief eunuch presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. The king interviewed them, and among all of them, no one was found equal to those four boys. I say boys because they were, how old, you guess? Teenagers, right? Fifteen years old. The king interviewed them, and among all of them, no one was found equal. In every way, matter of wisdom and understanding, the king consulted them about food. He found them 10 times better than all the magicians and mediums in his entire kingdom. Daniel remained there until the first year of King Cyrus. One verse I want to highlight from this chapter of how Daniel's story starts. We know how it, uh, the, the, the ending of what we see, we don't know exactly how eventually he died. We get to see the ending, 82 years old, in the lion's den, God protecting him. But here's how it starts. Captive, God allowing it to happen, teenager, recruited, looks good, smart, able to learn the new language in three years and be a vessel for the new king, get renamed. And as a teenager, he's like, mm, verse eight, he determined that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine he drank. So he asked permission from the chief eunuch to not defile himself? Got to remember how this started. I'm not asking for permission. I'm, I'm wanting to fight. I feel like I've been wronged, especially, you know, before I knew Christ. Oh, my goodness. But in Christ, there's a way that when you, when you serve or submit to even a bad leader, you're ultimately re- remembering that God has a higher purpose. That, hey, you're, you, you might think you're winning today, but trust me, God will get the last laugh. And is there a time to stand up? You better believe it. Use our voice. Oh, absolutely. Vote, absolutely. Get, get, get in the game. Do, do. But, but look at the posture of Daniel. It's possible. Look at Daniel. He determined in his heart that he would not defile himself, knowing this could be a moment where he is outcast. He's sentenced to death for not obeying this. And then he asked for permission. There's like humility here. It's just dripping. This is what manhood feels like in the kingdom. Humility, remembering God, bowing in private when no one else is looking. The word determined there is uh, lab. Love. And that word means this. It's to set upon in your heart and have inner resolve. So he set upon in his heart and had inner resolve, no, I will not defile myself. 
So I'm going to ask you for permission. There has to be another way. I'm not going to force my way, but I'm going to ask, is there another way? When I think of people determined, you know, throughout Scripture, there's, there's a couple, uh, and it says, we're going to get to Timothy in just a moment, but it talks about we're a good soldier. But you see in the New Testament, there's a couple analogies, like run the race as like an athlete. And there's a couple examples of a, like a determined mindset. And the example is that of a soldier and that of an athlete. Because I think we all know that the cost of a soldier and an athlete is quite severe. And they've counted the cost when no one's looking. That's why when, whenever I read or watch anything about war, there's a level of sensitivity and humility that I'm just, I, I don't, I'm like, I'm not, not like advocating ever, but there's a sensitivity and humility that I'm like, just like, what in the world? God, Whoa. Please, why? What? I know you're the peacemaker. I don't but But look at these people carrying out a mission and they're sacrificing their lives to protect a, a way of life, a culture, a nation, and something. And you just, you kind of weep for both sides and all sides as Christians. But yet as a Christian, you could follow a regime and be under and still be a soldier. Cornelius in the New Testament. But Christ is like, hey, put down the sword to Peter. So there's a tension always walking with Jesus. There's this attention. It is so fun. It's actually neat. It's actually really cool, okay? Uh, it's, it's neat. So the tension's really neat, really neat. And what, what's happening here is the determined mindset. He's determined when no one else was looking. And I think of some determined people. I think of, you know, the Mamba mentality. Anybody, you know, what is this? After you, what is that? You, Kobe. Because <laughs> Kobe. Kobe is known as being determined. I hope Kobe knows Jesus for those last moments, for real, because Kobe's inspiring. His dedication to the craft of basketball. Now, in other arenas, he's probably not the role model, but when I think of doctors, the determination when no one's looking. How about teachers and professors? Determination when no one's looking. Parents, they determine. Good parents have determined when no one else was there, I'm going to be there for my kid's life. It takes a boy to have a kid. It takes a man to raise one. That can be gender neutral. Look at 2 Timothy. Soldiers. Determined. This is the kind of determined he said in his heart. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier should get entangled in concerns of civilian life. He seeks to play, please his commanding officer. The ESV puts it this way. He seeks to please the one who enlisted him. And so in other words, if we're following Jesus, friends, like, please, I, 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 please, just please. His way is better. And when you give up your own rights... It's so beautiful to even suffer and endure for him because we're not wanting to get entangled in civilian affairs. Whatever's happening here, okay, hey, 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 yep, yep, okay, what happened in the game? Okay, what's going on on TV? Okay, yeah, that's fun. That's entertainment. I like Marvel. Spider-Man just came out. Okay, that's fun. That's fun. That's fun. But my role model is Jesus, and I want to aim to please the one who's enlisted me. And, and, and don't, don't think that I have just, like, the corner on this. I, I can fall victim to YouTube just like anybody else, you know? I need us to, rem that's why we're here on a Sunday, is to remember that he is worth it to determine in our heart when no one is looking. There's a famous commercial, Role Models, uh, Charles Barkley. He was my role model as a kid, oddly enough. I had a coat. Look, at, look I'll tell you this. this is, I had this coat. 
You don't think Chuck influenced my life? Who in the world is walking down Mason schools with that on their back? <laughs> me. That's it. Chuck. Charles Barkley wanted to meet him. The round mounder rebound. Loved him. And I remember when he dropped this commercial because it really hit me. So I was like, dude, Chuck, I want to be like you. People want to be like Mike, but I wanted him to take him off the throne. I mean, shout out to Mike, but I wanted Charles to win so bad. Charles to win. Charles didn't have the supporting cast because it takes a team. MJ is sweet, but it took a team, okay? So shout out to MJ. Hope he's here one day. We'll tell him, look, MJ, you're the man. But at the end of the day, it was the whole team. You know, it was the water boy. It was, it was everything. You know, it was probably the mom, the person. Everyone texting. It, they weren't texting back then, but like, go get him. You know, had a sign. I mean, everybody. Now, MJ had a certain special sauce. He had the, you know, mamba mentality before it ever happened. He was determined in his heart to win. There's no doubt about that. Took out the bad boys. I don't know what happened there. Uh, but bad boys took him out first. It's all about how the story's told. We're going to get to that in a second. But I had this on my back. Check out this commercial. Famous one. I'm not a role model. I am not a role model. I'm not paid to be a role model. I am paid to wreak havoc on the basketball court. Parents should be role models. Just because I dunk a basketball doesn't mean I should raise your kids. You know what's crazy? This was really controversial. The more I've thought about it, everyone should be in timeout who thought it was bad. Because what he's saying is so true. He's saying it starts at the home. And when you watch the interviews behind the scenes, what he was trying to say was he was trying to point to something better than just trying to dribble. Watch this clip from an interview. Uh, but at the end, I said, parents are role models. Because, you know, I do this little science experiment uh, Graham, when I speak at schools. Like, let's say I'm at a white school. I said, how many of your kids want to play pro sports? Less than 10% raised their hand. I said, what do you want to do? I want to be a doctor. I want to be a lawyer. I want to be an engineer. But when I go speak at predominantly black schools, 90% of the kids want to play sports. 90%. There's a couple like, I want to be a doctor, which makes me really proud. But 90% of kids, when I speak at black schools, our kids are brainwashed to think they can only play sports and be entertainers. You got a better chance of being a doctor and a lawyer than playing in the NBA. I tell you, that's 400 players in the NBA. What are the chances you're going to be one of the 400 best players in the world? That's, like I say, and I'm not trying to bash their dreams. I wish everybody could do it. But you have to also be realistic. There's a lot there, and it's good. Just lean into that tension. Because why? Like, what is that story? You know, why is the story that, that we think, you know, that our role models, whoever they are, is the only option we have? Well, let's, let's be honest. Whoever's telling the story gets to pen of how it looks. And whoever gets to point the camera gets to show what's happening. And what is happening most of the time when you hear stories of minorities or people in color. It's either entertainment or it's about violence. And it's about what bad is happening. And it is so, it is such a, it's a grievous mistake. And I believe that the media and all of TV and those that are dominant and with power and holding it, um, whoever's telling the story in that way will be held accountable when they meet Christ. 
because it is a sham. It is a lie. But it starts to form us. Like Boys in the Hood formed me. Menace to Society formed me. Charles Barkley formed me because that's what I wanted to be like. But when you start to get your heroes that say, no, there's other options, it's actually neat because what we want is representation and what we want is opportunity. And there's a great TED Talk that Emily sent me, The Danger of a Single Story. And there's just a clip from it. I would encourage everybody. But she talks about, you know, all the books she would read. You know, all the women are white and blonde hair. Now, my mom's white with blonde hair. Shout out to Amy V, single mom, raising through ups and downs. I, I, I get that. But I also see in life that that's kind of what says that this is what ideal looks like. What a lie. There's different body types. There's different skin tones. There's different hair types. There's the, I mean, there's all of it, right? Cultures, food, land, accents, regions. Why? Because we just don't see it enough. And what we see is what we think we want to be like all the time. But look, we're all awesome made in the image of God. But our stories don't reflect it. And they, and they just don't. And we need more stories that will open it up. Check out this clip. So that is how to create a single story. Show a people as one thing, as only one thing, over and over again, and that is what they become. It is impossible to talk about the single story without talking about power. There is a word, an Igbo word, that I think about whenever I think about the power structures of the world, and it is nkale. It's a noun that loosely translates to to be greater than another. Like our economic and political worlds, stories too are defined by the principle of nkale. How they are told, who tells them, when they are told, how many stories are told, are really dependent on power. Power is the ability not just to tell the story of another person, but to make it the definitive story of that person. The Palestinian poet Murid Baghouti writes that if you want to dispossess a people, the simplest way to do it is to tell their story and to start with secondly. Start the story with the arrows of the Native Americans and not with the arrival of the British, and you have an entirely different story. Start the story with the failure of the African state, and not with the colonial creation of the African state, and you have an entirely different story. I recently spoke at a university where a student told me that it was such a shame that Nigerian men were, were <coughs> physical abusers like the father character in my novel. I told him that I had just read a novel called American Psycho. <laughs> and, and that it was such a shame that young Americans were serial murderers. <laughs> no. No. You gotta, you get, your brain's got to be going. You got to connect all the dots, okay? Because we're going to land this. Um, the dots that connect there is this. You can have two things to be true. You can have something bad happening that we can tell the story and you could have something good happening but that story could be hidden and if we only hear what's bad now we think everyone's like that and we've actually all made this mistake start to think every person from the middle east who's who looks like images you've seen of the taliban on tv you think oh oh 
Or you start to hear, well, Mexicans are all hard workers. My wife's first generation from Mexico. She actually does live up to that example. But I think there's some people we've met in your family that they, they, you know, I'm not sure that that holds true as well. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) You know, in City Life, I want to call the worship team to the stage. City Life, the representation and... um, the heroes and the role models we have here, they, they, they break every social norm. Like Chris up here leaning on bass, this is Dr. Chris. That's, no, that's Dr. Chris, y'all. Like, I made it through a half semester at LCC, my G. You know what I'm saying? Street smarts? Yeah, I did, I did get street smarts, yes. <laughs> but like when it came to book smarts, what in the world? You know, how's the story going to get told? Virginia, you completed your master's. You go on and on. You're in your master's program, Jasmine, right now? It starts to break every stereotype. Our OBGYN, African-American woman, shout out, Laz Barker, awesome. See, Daniel's story, how it's told and how it's understood, is just important like all of our stories. We can actually be role models. We can leave the legacy we want. We can. And that's what Charles was trying to tell us. Don't read just one story, even about yourself. Don't read one story about someone else. Don't read one story about a people group. Don't read one story about Lansing. You know, our heartbeat is for sure to attack what's going on in the city. But attack it with love. But, you know, in the city, what isn't get told, you have the most overcomers that I've ever seen in my whole entire life. But that's just not on the front page of the news right now. The reason we want to attack it is because that's not the story that's going to be told in this city anymore. Not the violence, not what's going on in the school. No, 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 no. That is not true. It's not true. There is more people doing good than evil could ever strum up on any given day. And I believe we all have that ability to do good and be great in all of us, to be people that reconcile, to be people that care more about each other than whatever our preference is. Hey, you named me something, whatever. In private, I'm going to follow God. So we're going to take an offering at the end of today. And, and this, is, this is with the message, but disconnected. The message is first just for us to believe, hey, what are you doing? What am I doing? Are we defiling ourselves? Are we determined in our heart like Daniel was? Hey, I won't, I won't, I won't even step a direction outside of God's will. But I got to do that privately. That's why 21 days of prayer is going to be so monumental for city life. Because we need God's heartbeat. I can't do that for you. You got to wrestle that alone. It's actually freeing when 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 you give up.
Say, God, I can't. I can't carry this anymore. I'm mad at that person. I can't. I'm just so, I'm so frustrated. It's possible. Look at Daniel. Some rapid fire things about Daniel. You could take a picture of these. I'm just going to read them. Daniel was determined. And in private, he made promises with God that he would uphold in public. A stud. Thank you. What a higher role model. Thank you. Jesus teaches that in Matthew 6, and we'll talk more about that at the new year. And then number two, Daniel would not defile himself with another king's way as he was already following the king already. What? Yeah, Daniel. Three, Daniel had tact and he asked. Remember that moment? Can I get permission? Four, God advanced Daniel for his glory. So we've got to be really careful. Daniel needs to be celebrated and honored, but it's God's power working through Daniel. Daniel don't got any special plan that you can't have access to right here, right now. Five, let's do hard things that lead to life. It's actually more freeing and easier. Hard way is the way that leads to life, but it's Christ leading us. That's why it's easier. But when we're leading ourselves on the easy path, the wide path, it leads to death. When we cope with the media, we cope with addiction, we cope with food, we cope with anger and gossip and frustration. It's just too weight of a carry. But when we take on Christ, we abide with Him, and He loves us, and because ultimately He's our greatest hero. In private, he said to the Father, not my will, but yours be done. So in public, he became our role model. Because of his private victory with God, you and I have access to come back home, sins forgiven. God, take my life, make me clean. Instantly, whiter than snow, sins gone. East, west, no more. You're brand new. Any person, no matter what you've done, forgiveness. Oh, so good. And then as a people, you know what we start to say? No matter what the world does, we say, hey, we don't bow. We already did. Oh, you got food that's going another way? You want to? Nope, nope. We're on Jesus' team. We don't bow. We already did. (laughs) Come on, somebody. So good. So good. So good. I'll read us a verse as we take up the legacy offering. And the verse is this, each person should do as he has decided in his heart. Maybe it's your first time watching, first time in the building. Look, maybe you didn't have time to decide. I get it, I get it. There's still the end of the year, no pressure. But we want to steward our resources really well. And in in some measure, we're asking every person to be a part of this. Because we believe that there's only one institution in the world that Christ has commissioned to carry his message, and it's his people, and his people aren't a building. It's a people that he's building that gather on mission in him, in order, and that mission that we're a part of, the ecclesia, is the local church, y'all. It's awesome. So I know Amazon's trying to get a lot right now, but unapologetically, 
We're fundraising on behalf of the people of Lansing, the people of the 517, the people of the state, the nation, and the world to do our part in his story that he's writing. We're just a page in the chapter of it, but it's worth it. We want to leave a legacy, y'all. And so our team stretches dollars in in great ways. We had a church uh, fly up here um, from Florida, one of our overseer churches, and they sent their worship pastor here just to see the technology we're running. Dude, this is all DIY, makeshift people on cameras that we just all, you know, because we just want to stretch in every shape. That's, we rent from a community center so that we can invest the dollars, a part of the city, but also that we don't have to be, have some mortgage or even if that we're, we're a part of the community and that we can have a space that would take, you know how much it would take to build this space right now? So if God ever allows us to be a part of something different or, or it's going to be a, a, a multiplication play, but today, let's steward where we're at. I was backstage thinking, man, this is a sweet space, y'all. Man, never forget that. Like, this is awesome. There's a parking lot we didn't have to pay for. We just get to like rent it, you know? This is cool. And then we get to sneeze on all the different organizations that are here. I mean, talk about it. I mean, this is a, this is a witness. We're the only church that we know of. The only church that the school district has allowed to partner in this way. That doesn't make us better. That's a responsibility to steward, to love people, y'all that tension. Amen? Amen. So if you're giving online, there's a drop-down menu that uh, says legacy year-end offering. If you're giving in the room today, City Life Lansing by check. Um, the, the buckets will go by. We'll do this next week as well. And you can give throughout the end of the year to the legacy offering. And let's do this together and just do our part. And let's worship and ultimately build our lives on Christ and leave the legacy as the buckets pass. In Jesus' name, amen. at a funeral um, Friday for a living legend, Mark Hubbard. What a Jedi for the Lord. And we know Caleb, which is 
his family, Caleb and Corey and their children are, are due for one, what we wish we could do for all the missionaries we support. And they're gearing up to, to go back overseas. And they've been in the States here uh, since COVID hit. And they're one of our favorite people and our closest people on this planet. And that all came from us meeting their dad first. And their dad went home to be home with the Lord. And the preacher was just crushing it out the park. And he said something that John wrote in all of the, all the words he could use to sum up God. He wrote that God is, he could have said strong, God is powerful, he, he's a provider. He said he, he said he could have said a million things, but what he said is this, God is love. And he goes, the best way to sum up Mark's life was love. And as we sang that, what we were saying was, lead me, your love. Lead me to love somebody. Love. You don't have to overcomplicate it. You don't have to. You don't have to overcomplicate it. Daniel loved God so much in private that he was willing to love people publicly. Let's go. We'll see you next week. Hopefully Friday night, Christmas Eve, 7 p.m., candlelight service. And then Saturday, Christmas, we'll be here at 10 a.m. out serving, meet in the parking lot to go love the workers for an hour of power. If you already got Christmas traditions, hey, we get it. Go, go do whatever. Um, but like, we know the holiday seasons are hard for many people. So we want to do that together. We'll have a couple of productions online. Hopefully you'll get to tune in, share those things, and we'll be back here for service next week, 10 a.m. and 11.30. All races, all faces, all ages, you belong here. We're going to keep loving this city one life at a time, and we won't stop until Jesus makes all things new. Have the best day of your lives, y'all. Go to citylifelancing.com. You belong here.